What a mission we have as fathers to turn our children's gaze to the Father who loves them perfectly, who will never leave them nor forsake them. Amen. Let's read the scripture that God has for us this morning, Titus chapter 3. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. Titus chapter 3, verse 4. The Bible says this, But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I want you to underline three words in this passage if you got a pencil or a pen. Number one, I want you to underline the word regeneration there in verse five, I believe it is. Yep. The word renewing, so washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Ghost, and then at the end of verse seven, heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Let's pray, and we'll present a message entitled here, New Life, Old Flesh, or Old Body, and uh, talk about this wonderful journey of the Christian life together. Father, I pray that you bless this time in your word as we look at many scriptures today. I pray that this would be a, a help to us as we desire to understand the nature of our salvation and how amazing it was in that instant when we were justified by grace through faith. And then as we now walk this out and unpack and begin to understand and appropriate our justification and, and uh, grow in this grace, mature, live out what's being worked in. Father, help us. Help us to grow in our understanding. And I pray that, yes, this is theological truth today, but I pray that it would impact us practically with some of the applications and things that you want me to draw out. And so, Father, thank you for this opportunity once again to be in your word. Thank you for, once again, this opportunity to be with our friends and family in the faith. And bless this time together, we pray. All God's people said, amen. Good to see you. Good to see you. Looking forward to sharing this with you. Are you the kind of person that is scared easily? Raise your hand if you're the kind of person that's scared easily. How many of you are the kind of people that are scared easily? Let's take that survey first. Anybody that's easy to scare? Okay. How many of you get sadistic pleasure out of scaring those people easily? Raise your hand. Okay. Herman raised his hand very quickly and energetically. Uh, listen, please, if y'all love me, really, I mean, if you love me, don't put a big old nasty fake tarantula anywhere near me, okay? I don't prefer that. I am scared easily that way. I'm also scared of heights. I don't know if I'm necessarily scared of heights. I'm just scared of the sudden thud at the end of that height. Can I get a witness, all right? It's not that I'm necessarily scared of heights, um, but I've also found a new found fear of tubing on the water. Uh, 
the teenagers on Friday had a lake day down at Rusty and Vanessa, not Rusty, Rodney and Rhonda Johnson's brothers, Rodney and Rhonda Johnson's lake house down at Smith Lake. And uh, Rodney was pulling the tube that I was holding on to, and it was the kind that you lay down flat on, you know, it's just kind of like a flat thing. I'd never ridden one of those before, and I made the mistake of telling Rodney, giddy up, Rodney, let's go. Do y'all realize how fast his jet ski goes? It will go, because there's a spinnaker on it, it'll go close to 60 miles an hour. Now, I don't know if Brother Rodney was having mercy on me that day, but it felt like we were going that fast. And can I just tell you this? When you're going 60 miles an hour on the water, do you know what the force of water does to clothing that you have on? I became scared for my dignity, let, let alone for my life. I had to let go because I was getting beat up, and I am sore to this day. I have a newfound fear of tubing. But anyway, all of us deal with, deal with fears, uh, and, and of course, the, the, fear of the, the, the emotion of fear is powerful. Um, have you ever been tricked by your emotions into believing something that your mind knows is not true? For instance, like that fake spider. I mean, you know it's fake, but yet your body and your emotions still go from a 1 to an 11 the moment you see it. Your mind knows that it's not real, or it's like when you're watching a scary movie. You know that that's not real, it's just on the screen, but yet you're like, ah, you know, you're scared. And so the reality is, as we deal with this, and, and, and these examples illustrate for us the reality that we're complex beings created by God. Our mind may know the truth about a situation, but our emotions and sometimes our actions can work against that truth. They can lie to us. In our study today, we're going to examine the way that God has made us and how these different parts of our being both compare, contrast, and complement one another. And we're also going to explore the full extent and scope of our salvation as we seek to better understand what happened at the point of our salvation and then what God continues to work in and through us by His Spirit and our relationship with Him today. And so the goal of this study is to be able to identify how secular thoughts today would desire to contradict God's truth and to help us better understand whether we need a doctor, a psychologist, or a pastor. Because really, it's, it's funny, you see a lot of issues today in our culture where they're trying to fix it with a physical doctor or they're trying to fix it with a psychologist and not that both of those places are needed. But also there's this spiritual component that makes up our being. So we have body, soul, spirit. So I hope that this will help us today and in, in, as we study this truth. So there's three truths that we're going to pull out from this passage that we read today in Titus chapter 3 as we begin to understand this issue of how God says we're new in Christ, but yet we still feel and act old. And so why is that? And how do we begin to line up the newness of the reality of who God has made us to be on the inside? And how does that spread forth to the outside? and we are transformed into the image of Christ. Amen? Amen. So let's look at this first truth. You can put that there in your blanks in your worship guide. Number one, the Bible teaches this reality that we are a three-part creation. We are a three-part creation. And if you're following along with us in this summer study in the book, chapter 8 of the book talks about this. And so I would encourage you to get that, Real Christianity by Carrie Schmidt. It's out in our lobby right next to our Grace Resource Center area. You can pick a copy of that up after the service and continue on with us through this study. 
And so we're taught here in God's Word that we are a three-part creation. And we're going to get back to Titus 3 in just a moment. But look at these verses. You might just want to jot these down. Some of them are printed in your worship guide. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says this, The very God of peace sanctify you, set you apart, holy. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless into the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, number one, we are a three-part creation And we believe that based on this verse where it says that we have body, soul, and spirit. And that God's desire is that we live out what he has worked in. And uh, he, he, he says in another passage, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16, And the very God of, nope, that's not it, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. So there's this issue that we have an inward new man, We were given that at the moment of our salvation, but yet we have this outward body that doesn't necessarily all the time feel saved. For instance, when I woke up yesterday morning, my body did not feel saved. It felt traumatized by going 50 or 60 miles an hour on the water. Thank you again, Rodney Johnson. I love you. So so the point is, is that we have this issue of we're a complex being. We have a body. We have a soul. And we have a spirit. So these verses, among others, explain that we are made up of three parts in one person. Spirit, soul, and body. And it's nearly impossible to separate these three parts of our being absolutely. Especially the soul and the spirit. In fact, there's one verse in Hebrews 4.12 that says the only thing that can separate spirit and soul is the word of God. Uh, The Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And so it's sometimes difficult for us to keep these parts separate or to understand how salvation plays out through these three parts of our being, body, soul, and spirit because they are intricately woven and connected. I mean, there's not like you can look at your body on an x-ray and say, oh, there goes my soul, or oh, there goes my spirit. Really, the only thing we can see is flesh. But yet the Bible says we're a being that's not just a sack of meat. Aren't you thankful? You're not just a zombie. You have a soul, and you have a spirit as well. And so the reason that we start with stating this, and I don't know whether this is obvious or not, sometimes you assume that this might be obvious, but the reason that we start by stating the obvious of body, soul, and spirit, how we're made up, is because understanding real salvation begins with an understanding of how Jesus is working in these different facets of our three-part being, body, soul, and spirit. So what is our body? Our body is, this is a good way to uh, define it, it's your earth suit, all right? It's the suit that you live in in this reality. It's it's what you need to survive. There's no other suit you can wear. Your your, your body is your earth suit, a lot like an astronaut would wear a space suit in outer space to survive. We wear an earth suit on this earth because it is what we need to survive physically. So your earth suit, the physical suit that your soul and spirit wear— while on this earth is your body. You feed this body, you rest this body, you exercise this body, you care for this body, you nurture this body. When, when you're sick, you baby that body. You want someone to take care of you. Uh, uh, you take your earth suit. When you're sick, you take your earth suit to the doctor, and he tries to fix your earth suit. 
Amen? And some of us, you know, we go to the doctor and get our earth suit fixed, and then we got to go back the next week. You know, it's just like it keeps on breaking down. And so we focus a lot on our body, but the reality is, is we're going to lose that earth suit one day. When we die, we exit that earth suit, that body. But you, the real you, your soul, your spirit, continue to exist for eternity. And so the reality is, over time, our body ages and breaks down. I love this verse. Uh, I, I, I did some groaning yesterday, and I'm doing some groaning this morning because I'm sore. For in this we groan. Can I get a good groan from everybody? One, two, three. Ugh. Yeah, that's what Brian Keenum does on Monday mornings. <laughs> right, Brian? We love you. Brian loves Mondays. Amen, Brian? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, I just had to tease him about that. Oh, it, it's so exciting. Brian and Rachel just found him a house. Yes. Woo. Anyway, um, for in this we groan. Maybe that's the Monday morning groans. No, that's probably more so this, just this groaning in our bodies, earnestly desiring. And notice this. It kind of gives this idea of a suit, uh, suit idea, desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. So the Bible says here that we're going to get a heaven suit one day. We've got an earth suit right now, but we're going to get a resurrected body. For that we are in this tabernacle, in this tent. That's what that word tabernacle means. We're in this tent. We're in this temporary body. And we groan, being burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed, but we want to be clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. What's Paul saying there? He's saying it's not that we want to be absent of a body. We want a resurrected body like Jesus' resurrected body is. We want a new body that never gets sick again, that never has to deal with even the temptation of sin again. And so here's this issue of a, of a body. And so God says, number one, we're a body. That's, that's, that's the part of our being that's easy to see, okay? But secondly, he says that we have a soul. We have a soul. I pray that God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is our soul? Our soul is the inner us that occupies our body. It's our mind, it's our will, and it's our emotions, it's that mind that has the ability to know God, that will that has the ability to choose God, and those emotions that have the ability to love God. And so who you are, your body, your soul, this is who God says you are. And, and the Bible often refers to the soul as the word heart. So when you read the Bible, sometimes you'll see the word heart also used in, to interchange with this idea of the soul. With a thinker, a chooser, and a feeler, your soul is quite complex. It's the sum total of your inner man that processes and wills you forward through every experience and relationship. Your soul is your personality and your uniqueness. And isn't it cool? You can see this uniqueness very early in a child's life, in a baby's life. I was uh, at the lake on Friday and I was looking at little Hudson, one of the goes seven or eight now? Seven, seven. Uh, their their youngest child, their seventh child, amen. And uh, Hudson, and uh, he's already getting that little personality with his facial expressions. That's uniquely who we are. That, that's, that's our soul, folks. We all have one of those. It's the sum total of our inner man. Your soul is your personality and your uniqueness. It is the real you inside of your earth suit, inside of your body. Maybe you've said the phrase before, that person has a beautiful soul. What are we saying about that person? We're saying that who that person really is, who they are on the inside, their soul. Um, David says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. What he's asking or praying there is, God, I want you to know the true me. 
the inner me, the soul me. Try me and know my thoughts. That's where we get this idea that the soul comprises the mind, the thoughts, the will, the choices, and the emotions. And so David is praying, God, I want you to know, search me, know me. You created me. You created my earth suit. He actually talks about that earlier in this passage, Psalm 139, that he was intricately woven in his mother's womb. And now he's talking about his soul here. We're going somewhere with this. These are basics, but I want to show you this here, here in a second. So, so body, soul, and then spirit. So there's these three parts. We have our earth suit. We have the inner man or the soul, the real us. And then we have this thing called the spirit. Now, your spirit is the source of your deepest, deepest being. Before salvation, this was essentially what most theologians would call your sin nature. It was spiritually dead to God. It did not know God. Uh, Romans 3, verses 10 through 18, describe how all the human race did not seek after God, did not care for the things of God. And so before we knew Christ, the Bible says we were spiritually dead. And so the reality is today is if you don't have a relationship with God, if you've never trusted Christ, the Bible says that you're spiritually dead. You're still in Adam. And God wants you to be placed into his family through Christ and what Christ did for you. So more on that to come here in a little bit. And so the Bible often uh, talks about this issue of being spiritually dead to God. It says in Ephesians 2 verse 13 that by nature we were children of wrath. We, we, we did those things which ran contrary to God and all that was good. And so our sinful nature or our spiritual deadness, this was the sinful root system of our lives before salvation. It was fallen. It could not come to God. The Bible refers to this dead spirit as your old man. But then at salvation, at that point when you're justified, the Bible says that that old man's crucified with Christ. Romans 6 verse 6 tells us. And so at salvation, your old man is crucified with Christ and is completely done away with, and you're given a new spirit. God says he'll place his spirit within you. Uh, we might not always feel like we have a new spirit. Um, we might not always act like we have a new spirit. But this is biblical, and God calls us to reckon this as truth. Hold your place in Titus. I, we are going to get there. But look at Romans chapter 6 for just a moment. This is so important. Uh, God wants us to know this so that we can then reckon it. And that word reckon isn't like we say it in the South where you're just guessing something's true. You know, I reckon that might be true. No, this is, this is to count it as true, to, to, to add it all up, to balance the books and say, this is the fact. This is the truth. I believe this. He says in Romans 6, verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Christ, that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not serve sin. That's good news. For he that is dead is freed from sin. That's good news. God wants us to know these facts. And when we know that, he says in verse 11, likewise reckon this. What does that mean? It means to count it as true. Act upon it as being true. Um, believe that you have a new eye. We talked about the old eye and the new eye last week. Do you remember? How many of you this week caught the old eye lying to you? How many of you caught that? How many of you caught that Satan was trying to make you think that the old man was still very much alive? But, but Paul says here, our old man is crucified with him. Likewise, reckon this, believe this by faith. And then verse 13, yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. 
So we have this new spirit in us. Your new nature is now alive to God, which makes you his new creation, and your spirit is reborn and made new by faith in Jesus. God's Holy Spirit is now within us as believers, and he is enabling our new nature to know God and to experience his grace and his transforming presence in our lives. God says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. But the struggle is, the challenge is, is we have all these voices saying, listen to your feelings, look at your actions. And you know what God keeps saying? Look at Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You have to set your mind on what you know to be true in the gospel. This is why we rehearse this often. Now, before we get past this part, where, past this first point where we're a three-part being, the reason that this is so important is because how many of you have ever had a problem with your being, whether it's your body, your soul, or your spirit? Raise your hand if you've ever been sick, all right? How many of you have ever been bodily sick, all right? Everybody has. How many of you have ever been soul sick, and you had to go and see a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Those are the people, psychologists and psychiatrists, are those who focus on soul sicknesses. Now, granted, a lot of psychology and psychiatry today seeks to use worldly means to focus on fixing those issues. But if you've ever struggled with soul sickness, what are some examples of soul sickness? Um, uh, constant fear. Uh, constant uh, uh, OCD issues or uh, depression, um, addiction. Now, addiction kind of gets interesting, doesn't it? Is that both a body issue and a soul issue? It can be. And so there's a lot of things where if we don't understand the three-part makeup of our body, we'll try to go to fixing a soul issue with a drug, with a bodily fix. Now, not saying that some of those pills and some of those drugs cannot address mind and brain and soul issues, but, but this is an intricate thing, and it's not easy. This is why I'm just touching the surface, but if you really want to dig into this, uh, get the book, look it up, study this, because we are facing so many issues in our culture today where we've created. I mean, some of these issues that we think are bodily or soulish are actually spiritual issues. I mean, there's one right now where the world says that you are your desires. So you should just live out your desires and just accept that that desire in you is right. And so that's your body. God made you that way. And there's all this confusion. And it's because we don't understand body, soul, and spirit and what area that we need to target. Now, as a pastor, I happen to believe that the spirit lies at the core of all of it, of body and soul. Now, it doesn't mean that because uh, your body is sick sometimes, that that means there's a problem with your spirit. But I am saying that Proverbs talks a lot about how envy is rottenness in the bones. Uh, a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. Uh, a laughter is good like a medicine. And so there is this issue of spiritual wholeness leads to physical and soul wellness. And so as a pastor, when I counsel... I'm just not focused on the body or the soul. I try to be focused on all three because I know that ultimately the gospel is not just for pie in the sky spiritual, but it's for every area. 
body, soul, and spirit. And I know we have counselors in here as well who have, who, who have probably gone, gone through this and, and deal with this every day on how we focus on, okay, what's the issue? Is it, is it bodily? Is it soulish? Or is the issue spiritual? And so that's the reason why this area is important for us to understand, because so much of today, we've, we've, we've created thick books trying to diagnose all these issues when ultimately a lot of them come back to the spiritual realm. And then, of course, they branch off and connect to the soulish realm and also to the bodily realm as well. Does that make sense? Sometimes I practice this and think through this during the week, and I'm like, okay, I hope that makes sense. But anyway, that's the reason why we have to uh, study this and give ourselves to this, because the world's value system is opposite. It seeks to place body and soul completely in control. Um, This is what the Bible calls soulish or sensual living. And soulish and sensual living, and when we think of sensual, we think of actually a sexual connotation. It's really not. It's just talking about living by the feelings, living by your feelings and living by your desires. And so the world system says body and soul are completely in control. But God says he wants the spirit to be in control. This I say then, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we live in the spirit... Let us also walk in the Spirit. What is God saying should be the control center of our life? Our body, our soul, or His Spirit? Do you see that? This is revolutionary. This will help us so much if we can yield to this, reckon it to be true, knowing this to be true. And so the world seeks to lead us down the wrong road, thinking body and soul are what should be in control, and we're misinformed. Um, But in Christ, get this, here's the good news. In Christ, for the first time, you and I have a spiritual capacity to yield to a different master. We no longer have to be driven by fleshly appetites or fickle feelings that go up and down with the changing of momentary circumstances. You and I, as believers, now have access to absolute truth through Jesus and his word We can now begin to experience a total renewing of our mind and transformation of our life based upon truth. I used to struggle in college with anxiety attacks. How many of you are like me and there's a time in your life when you struggled with anxiety attacks? Anybody like that? I mean, I was literally sitting in an assembly at college one day and all of a sudden my body was drenched. I felt like every eyeball was on me, and I was overcome with anxiety and fear. And what was weird is is I'd I'd faced those situations before, but this one was different. So much so that my friend who was sitting with me thought that I was having a heart issue. They took me out, and they they found out, no, I was just having an anxiety issue. And I remember that day, for the first time, understanding why the Spirit has to be in control. I remember going to Isaiah 26, verse 3. If you struggle with anxiety attacks, I want to encourage you to write down and memorize Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4. Because it says this, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon thee, because he trusteth in thee. You know what? I can give testimony to the Lord That from that day forward, I've never had an attack like that ever again in my life because I hid God's word in my heart, which anchored, which anchored my foundation for my feelings and my fears to something greater, the spirit, 
And God says, keep your eyes fixed on me, Brian, and you won't have to worry about all the eyes looking at you. (laughs) What a great truth for me, and I hope that that will encourage you and help maybe somebody in your life. Now, it's not... Now, it's not just we memorize words, but it was me placing my faith, exercising my will, and understanding that God's Spirit was in me and with me, and that there was nothing to fear. And so, we, ha- we are a complex creature, body, soul, and spirit. And the reason that we need to better understand this is because we face so many issues with our bodies and with our souls, not knowing how the Spirit gives, gives an anchor point and a source, a foundation for all of that. All right? Number two, I want you to see this, that not only are we a three-part being, creation, but number two, salvation then makes sense. It's a three-part miracle. Salvation is a three-part miracle. Um, It would seem to be a safe deduction that if our being consists of three parts, body, soul, and spirit, then perhaps when God speaks about our salvation, that this also should be considered in three parts or three perspectives. So let's look at some verses here. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30. You're like, is he going to get to Titus? I am, believe it or not. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1, uh, 1, 30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness, sanctification and redemption. Might want to underline those three words there. Righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Now look at Titus chapter number 3. I had never seen this before in this passage. It's just funny how... You you read a passage, and then either someone else or the Spirit points out something and points out what God's trying to say. Titus 3 says this in verse 4, But after the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of life. Each of these verses that I just read shows that the work of salvation is more than just a one-time event. Oh, it is a wonderful, incredible one-time event where we are justified, we are totally forgiven of all of our sin because of that wonderful blood of Jesus and his sacrifice And so it is a wonderful one-time event, but it's also a three-part process, and these verses point that out. Salvation begins with the new birth, undeniably and inalterably. But a newborn baby, as we talked about last week, is just at the beginning of his or her journey. Um, Look at this verse, Ephesians 4.13. It says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You know what this verse is teaching? that there is progress in our Christian life, that there is Christian maturity, that there is growing in grace that occurs in our life. Because some of us, I know we struggle. We, we, we sit here in church and we hear Pastor Brian talk about how it's finished, it's done. And then we go out and we're like, but it doesn't feel that way. My body certainly doesn't feel like it's perfect. Um, my soul is sometimes all over the place because it doesn't feel right. And so there's this struggle of what God says, which he says, reckon it, believe it. But yet our soul or our feelings and our experience fight against the truth of God. And so we see that there is this issue of growing in our faith, understanding what God has done for us. And so salvation is a three-part miracle. Our justification is the beginning of a transformation that culminates with the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
Hey, one day we're getting a new body. Are you thankful for that? Say amen. I'm thankful for a new body one day. Uh, this body already at age 39 and one month. And y'all are like, you're just a kid. Hey, thank you. Thank you that you still think I'm young. But I saw another one of my teenagers get married yesterday from my old church up in Indiana. And I feel old. And now these kids are having kids. And I'm thinking, y'all shouldn't be having kids yet. Y'all should still be in youth group. But anyway, we're going to get a new body. It says, beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We're going to get a resurrected, glorified body. So that part of us is still yet to be, quote-unquote, saved. Oh, we're saved in our soul and in our spirit. We are, we are justified. We're given a new nature. But the reality is, is we're still waiting for that new body. And so maybe here's a good way to put this three-part miracle. Number one, our spirit was made new in an instant, when we placed our faith in Christ. That's called the new birth. We were born again. We, get, we were given a new man. The old man was crucified. Our spirit was made new instantly. But our soul is being renewed daily by the Spirit of God. This is referred to over and over in the Bible as the process of renewing our mind to truth. And we're going to look at a couple of verses here in just a moment about that. But notice here in our key text, it, it points this out. Look at verse 5. It says, He saved us. How? By the washing of regeneration. That's your salvation. That's justification. That's when you got saved. That's when you got a new spirit. That word regeneration literally means regened. At the moment you trusted Christ, you were given a spiritual DNA. You were regened at the spiritual molecular level. That will not change. But notice then what it says, and renewing of the Holy Ghost. That word renewing is in the present tense in the Greek, and it's talking about an ongoing process and action. And so our spirit was made new instantly. Our soul is being renewed daily by the Spirit of God, and our body will be made new eventually. That is our final redemption. So you might want to write down these words, regeneration, renewal, and redemption. That is the three-part miracle of salvation. We were regenerated in an instance. We were born into God's family in a moment of time. And praise God for that. And we are being renewed daily. Our soul, I like to say it like this, our soul's playing catch up to what God did in a millisecond of heaven's time. And so every day, my soul is playing catch up to figure out what God did that totally transformed my life in a second when I asked him to be my savior. And that's the reality. I mean, we continue to grow and set our mind and align our feelings and align our choices with the truth of what God did in our spirit. And that's where this issue of growing and understanding happens in our life. And so what happens is, is God says we're brand new over here in the spirit, but our soul and our body are kind of over here still trying to figure that out. And sometimes our body plays on our soul because we don't feel physically good or our soul uh, messes with us because we don't feel emotionally good. And those, so this is the challenge of our Christian journey of understanding and growing. And so God says, number one, that we were regenerated in an instant. Our spirit was literally regenerated at the moment we trusted Christ as Savior. Number two, he says that we are being renewed. Our soul is being renewed by his daily work in our lives I want you to write these verses down and look at them later. Some of them are printed there, but I want you to look at these verses. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says this, For which cause we faint not. 
So Paul says, we're we're not going to give up in this. We're going to continue to grow. We're going to continue to move forward. He says, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And so there is this process in our life where we're growing and we're being renewed. Ephesians 4.23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's a command. Paul says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, setting your mind on what is true. Put off the old man, put on the new man, and walk in the spirit. So a daily process of renewal. Colossians 3 verse 10, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Wow. Renewed. How are we renewed? In the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Because here's what the Bible says. When we were saved, we were made a new creature. And so, we're, and so what we daily do is receive these download updates from heaven. And we're renewing our mind to what's already true in the spirit. And what one day will be true in our body as well. And so the battleground is the soul. Mind, emotion, and will. Look at this verse. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Do you see the process there? Do you see how daily as you spend time renewing your mind, you start to look an awful lot like Jesus? You start to look a whole lot like him. Why? Because there's already a part of you that's completely like Jesus, your spirit. Your spirit, the innermost part of you, your true new self in Christ is already made new and all things continue to become new. Regeneration, renewal here in Titus 3 verse 5, and then redemption. You see, our body will one day be redeemed as we've already stated. We will be given a new body which is awaiting us in heaven. Romans 8 verse 23 says this, and not only they but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. I love that. So we were given this earnest. We were given this guarantee. We were given this down payment gift to know that this is going to ultimately culminate with a new body. And that was God gave us the Spirit. And we were sealed unto the day of redemption. But notice this. It says, even we ourselves, yes, we groan. (laughs) You know, my back, oh, my shoulders. You know, we're getting old in our bodies. We're struggling to understand all this in our soul. But the promise is our bodies are going to be redeemed. So that part of us, we're still awaiting salvation and rescue. Rescue us from these mortal bodies, God. And so the reality is, is that we are being redeemed. We are being redeemed in the sense of our bodies. And one day, ultimately, we'll see that redemption with a new body. And then finally, we see here today that we are God's work in progress. We are God's work in progress. God gave to us a new birth instantaneous, completely new, forever settled, irreversible. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And what God is working in us is a new mind. All right, so new birth, and now he's working in us a new mind. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, look at these verses. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world. What does he mean? Don't be conformed to this world's way of thinking, which says your body and soul is all that there is, and you should just do what your body and soul tell you to do. No, you should listen to the Spirit of God inside of you. Walk in the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. And how do you do that? And be ye transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. Renewing your mind to the truth that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so ongoing right now and for the remainder of our lives is this changing, this transformation, being changed from the same image, from, into the same image, from glory to glory. And, oh man, I wish I had time to even stop and talk about that. From glory to glory. Do you realize what Paul's saying in verse uh, 18 of 2 Corinthians 3, from glory to glory? He's saying that there's a part of you that's already glorious, the Spirit. And it can't wait to get out. And it's just waiting to break out in every part of your being from glory to glory, from what's already true. You're seated in the heavenlies in Christ and the body and the soul are, gonna, are catching up to it. Praise the Lord. So a new mind, a new birth, a new mind. God does this transforming to us as we keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus. It's not something that we can even fully measure or sense. You know, growth. Growth doesn't happen in that way. It's not like you wake up this, uh, this morning and say, oh, my child grew by an inch from yesterday to today. No, it, it doesn't happen that way. But over time, you'll see this growth. And this is what we do is we yield to God's spirit at work on a daily basis. And then, of course, new body. This is a new body reserved in heaven awaiting our spirit and soul. One day, our old bodies will have a, um, will, will be folded up like a tent. Our old bodies will be folded up like that old tent and we'll be given a brand new body that's perfect and eternal. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. And God will change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. This is good news. We are a three-part creation. Salvation is a three-part miracle, and the reality is we're God's work in progress. He regenerated us. He's daily renewing us. And praise God, he's going to redeem our bodies one day. And body, soul, and spirit is preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the question for us today is this. What part of our body are we allowing to control our life right now? What part are you allowing to control? Are you allowing the body to dictate what you're going to do and not do. But it feels good. Hey, there's a lot of things that feel good, but they slowly kill you. Are we going to allow the body to dictate where we go? How many of us are overwhelmed with emotions, whether that's worry, anxiety, fear, depression? My friend, I tell you this, right now you're overwhelmed in your soul, and the good news is there's hope for your soul. My soul, why art thou disquieted within me, and why are thy, thy, thy cast down? Hope thou in God. You see, there's someone bigger than your soul. There's someone who came to rescue your soul in that momentary instant of salvation, but yet there's this day-by-day -day renewing of the mind and help for your soul. The reality is, folks, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't, but sometimes we focus way too much on psychology and psychiatry, and yes, those are great in their place, but they can never take the place of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And so as you deal with issues of the soul and issues with the body, as you deal with wrong choices that you make with your soul and body, you must turn and see that there is a brand new part of you, the spirit, that is set up 
to cause you to walk in the victory that you already have in Christ. Have you ever read Romans 8 where it says we are more than conquerors through him that loved us? And you're like, okay, Paul, stop lying. Do you know why we don't believe it? Because we believe our experience and our feelings more in that moment than the word from heaven. Do you know what faith is? Faith is believing God more than your feelings and your experience. That's what we did when we got saved. I mean, when you got saved, it's not like there was this major feeling or uh, experience that, that proved to you that you were forgiven of all of your sins because of the once for all shed blood of Jesus. But the Bible says you were forgiven and you should believe it. If we sense that there is still something yet to be complete in us, it's because there is. There's this process that God is working. No, we're not working to be or stay saved. God does that work in us, and he's already done that work. But we are absolutely God's work in progress. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. And so he daily renews us by his truth in the inner man. Our salvation was a one-time decision that initiated an everyday journey that leads to a future completion. Our salvation was a one-time decision that initiated an everyday journey that leads to a future completion. I love this quote in chapter 8 of the book. Jesus regenerated us instantly. He renews us daily. And he will redeem our mortal bodies ultimately. Praise God for his work in our life. Our eternal destination is sealed and certain. Our daily growth is up to Jesus as he produces the fruit in us, working in us and us yielding to him by faith. Our ultimate hope is in the promise that one day Jesus will rescue these broken mortal bodies and give to us a perfect sinless body in a perfect eternity with him. The realization of this being in between can either cause us to have despair, which often it does, or give us great hope. Much of that hinges on what part of us, whether body, soul, or spirit, we allow to guide and determine truth in our life. God has designed our relationship with him to operate from the foundation of his new spirit residing within. So the challenge today is, is if you have never allowed that new spirit to lead and guide you, the challenge today is surrender to the spirit. Allow him to have his way in leading you. How do you do that? Believe the truth. Believe what God has said to be true about you and what he has done for you and what he is doing in you. And then to look at these issues in our life, whether it's a bodily issue, a soulish issue, and to start understanding that all these things connect ultimately to the Spirit.